Thank you very much for your invitation and introduction. It's our pleasure to have this great opportunity to share our experience with your audience. So our presentation will cover, I think, will cover an overview of health system of Iran. Then Kamiar will follow my presentation to focus on COVID-19 issues and challenges we see in the Iran and in the same country in the region. Health system in Iran designed mid 70s, 1973-74, experts get together and develop a plan to have health reform and develop new health system in Iran. The idea was full coverage from hard to reach area to capital region of Tehran and cover all provinces regardless of their ethnical minority, religion, and other you know, minorities and majority of people to have access to high quality services. Because of that, if you look at bottom left of this slide, you can see there is satellite to cover services in villages then refer patient to the health post and from health post to rural health center and then health city center and then the coverage supported and managed by health network. After revolution, that program implemented and they continue to have an increased access of health services for all people. But the change was in previous plan, health, commissioner of health has different authority and job than, than medical universities. But after revolution, they merged both of them and president of medical university in each province is commissioner of health to have more authority for government to control researcher in medical school in one way and the other way it was good opportunity for a student medical student to have access to the polyclinic public polyclinic and see more clients and patients so each way has one issue and benefit when we evaluate the program so the outcome of that program, well-designed program in 1973, piloted till 1978 and implemented till 1987 in national level. When we look at the outcome today, we can see numbers of healthcare workers who have been educated increased, number of bed increased, number of health posts and health facilities increase compared to 40 years ago. But if you go to deep analyze of those data, because we have more than two times population, if you look at in the middle of this slide, you can see hospital bed per 1,000 people was 1 1.5. In 2018, even the numbers of the beds and numbers of health professionals and facility increase, but per 1,000 people is 1.6, which is one of the challenge we see today. And compared to the countries such as Turkey, 
which has the same population and the land is same. So Turkey has 2.8 bed per 1,000 population, which is more better than Iran. So one of the great outcome of health system, you can see in this slide, the coverage of vaccination in 1980 was 3.7% in rural area and 33% in urban area. In 2017, the coverage of vaccination was 97 to 100 in nationwide, which was one of the great outcome of health system. And Iran received certificate of polio eradication, which is one of the, you know, country in the Middle East, which received that, uh, you know, certification. Health indicator, if you evaluate health indicator, in this slide, you can see comparing 1988 to 2018, newborn mortality, mortality less than five years, overall maternal mortality. So you can see all of those mortality rate decrease, which is one of the good outcome of health system and life expectancy for women and men increase. So it means health system, health design, well-designed and good outcome. We need to compare Iran with country to have, you know, better idea. Only Iran has this progress or could be better than this we see. So I compare it with Turkey. As I mentioned, same country as the population and the land. For all of the indicator in this slide, mortality rate and other, you know, life expectancy, you can see Iran had better situation in the beginning, but today, in 2016 and today, you can see the progress and the outcome of health services in Turkey is much, much better than Iran. And in this slide, life expectancy, you can see Turkey has more progress than Iran. We have in health, you know, in several index and indicator. One of the main index for many countries, they trust and they follow this type of, you know, uh, indicator and index is healthcare access and quality index. So in 2016, you can see their report showed in 1990, in the left top of the slide, you can see, in Iran, we had 49.3 score, health access quality index. Turkey had 42.5. So about 25, 26 years later, Iran received 71.8 score compared to Turkey's 74.4 which means the progress of health system and outcome of health system during 40 years is much better, in Turkey is much better than Iran. What was the issue? There is numbers of article published inside of Iran and outside of Iran by Iranian expert. So one of the challenge we see distribution of health services and access to health service and distribution of experts. The dark area in the left side showed those areas which we have more focus 
and more health service. And the light area, white area, we have lack of access compared to the other provinces and other services, other cities, uh, less access to uh, health professionals and uh, advanced health services. One of the challenge was distribution. And the other, you know, research, you can see in brown, we have less access in the borders area compared to the centers. So it means more focus of the government was those provinces and cities in the center of country. Same in this slide, you know, red area showed, you know, less access and poor access of people to the advanced and specialists in the border. And then, you know, more focus and access in the center of Iran. So this is the famous, you know, article published finally by previous Ministry of Health and they addressed, they accepted, but when they left their position, unfortunately, when they have position, they don't accept, you know, truth. But when they left because of parties will change, so they will go to argue new party and new government. Previous Minister of Health published an article and agreed with the scientists, scientists to say, okay, distribution is not equal. And then we have challenges in border area and poor, poor, poor prevalences. And then lack of trained manager. One of the issue was mismanagement was by people who didn't have any expertise and experience and knowledge to be manager and lead health services in many uh, uh, provinces and cities in Iran. And the last slide I wanted to show is about the budget. So compared to Turkey, you can see Iranian overall, Iranian people and government spend money on health more than Turkey. So in the left side, you can see Iran, and the right side is Turkey. So overall budget spent on health in Iran is much, much more than Turkey. I showed you in the previous slide, but the outcome of health services and outcome of health program in Turkey is much, much better than Iran. In that budget, you can see in, in red, that, that is, you know, a contribution of government. Contribution of government of Iran is 50% compared to Turkey, which is 78%. Out of pocket, Iranian people spend 43.7% of total budget of health compared to 17% from Turkish community. So, when we go to analyze this budget, we can see huge corruption, huge corruption in government of Iran because total budget is more than Turkey. Contribution of government, we can see huge corruption. To reach their goal, they push people to spend money out of pocket. So I wanted to shift it to Kamiar. <clears throat> Thank you. So I'm so honored and delighted to be here. So uh, now I want to focus on the COVID-19 coronavirus that started in the late 
2019 in China. And I want to talk about how did it enter in Iran and, uh, and why did it enter to the Iran, to Iran? And also, was it manageable, could be prevented, and lesson learned from other countries? <clears throat> So, so as you know, uh, early January, uh, China started to admitting that they are facing uh, coronavirus. While there was a lack of transparency in China, and unfortunately, World Health Organization initially uh, uh, tried to support uh, the, the data that was reported by China. But over the time, the Prime Minister of China admitted that they need to be more transparent and they started to advocate more about that. And that was the moment that a lot of countries starting to close their borders with China. And during that time, while there were a lot of recommendations by experts, there were a lot of recommendations by experts inside and outside of Iran to close the borders because that was the main entry point of the virus because we didn't have any common border with China. Unfortunately, not only they didn't, uh, they didn't cancel the direct flight from China to Iran, but in some occasions they increased number of flights. Even uh, other border countries like uh, UAE or Turkey, they uh, canceled their flights. So there were a lot of Chinese that they wanted to make to their final destination, they used Iran as a transferring point. And Mahan Airline, which is uh, uh, supported by uh, uh, Revolutionary Guard, was part of that, you know, to uh, uh, provide that service to China. And at the same time, <clears throat> Iran tried to be more proactive to support China. And one occasion, the Minister of Health announced that they wanted to contribute one million a face mask to China, while there were a lot of debates that we may need it later on. So, they, so due to uh, political interest of Iran, first they didn't want to look bad in front of China if they close the borders, like some of other countries that initially follow that you know, trend, like South Korea or Japan. In addition, as you know, before the coronavirus started in Iran, we had some you know, demonstration you know, back several months ago that unfortunately a lot of Iranians, they were arrested and they were killed. So there was a mistrust between the population and the government. And after that, we had a plane crash that unfortunately added to that mistrust between the society and the government. So now uh, during mid-February, that was the anniversary of Iranian uh, revolution. So the Iranian government, they had concern that if they admit that they are facing this coronavirus, while there are a lot of unofficial reported <coughs> in early February, in Tehran, in Qom, in Isfahan, in Zanjan, that there are some uh, cases. Unfortunately, the government didn't want to admit that because they were hesitate that if they wanted to do that, that may discourage a lot of people's particularly they followers that they belong to conservative parties not to participate for the anniversary of the revolution. 
And after that, there was another uh, occasion, which was the uh, election of parliament election. As you know, there was a lot of uh, debates about that, and most of the reformists they were disqualified. So there were very uh, limited uh, reformists they were able to be candidates, and most of those candidates they belonged to conservative parties. So the government wanted to make sure they don't get surprised, and to make sure these uh, candidates enter to the parliament. So the 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 the, the date for uh, parliament was, you know, uh, end of February, like uh, February 22nd. So that was during the time that they started getting some you know, question about, do we have any coronavirus in Iran or not? And while there were some uh, reports from some hospitals, even in Qom, which is one of the religious cities in Iran, Immediately the next day, the government dismissed those reports, and that was surprising because during that time, to get a person to get result of test may take up to one week. So how come they were able to dismiss those cases immediately within 24 hours? <clears throat> so two days before the date of parliamentary election, finally the first two uh, uh, cases of coronavirus were reported. And surprisingly, compared to other countries that we usually expect that we have some infected cases, and out of 100 infected cases, we expect to have two or three death cases. In Iran, that was <coughs> opposite, which means the first two uh, reported cases were death cases, two death cases in Qom, the city of Qom, and one of them was uh, the doctor that his brother was very consistent that for one week he was asking to test for coronavirus and why he had all the symptoms so there was some way to deny it so finally they admitted that the two death cases were reported two days before the uh, parliamentary election and during the parliamentary election the super leader came to national tv and said we are not facing the coronavirus. There may be very few cases. This is the agenda developed by the Western countries to discourage people to come. And the main policy of the government was to undermine the significance of the coronavirus. And sometimes they made jokes that say, oh, I may got coronavirus. Even in, in national TV, the, the doctor who was supposed to talk about the health of people tried to you know, sometimes make joke. And that was the time that a lot of people got confused. Should we take it seriously? But it's not really important because most of the people inside Iran, they, they are watching you know, those TVs. And this is a, one of the indicators that people, they got confused about the reality. So after that, after a few days, that you know, there were a lot of criticized why we only have two death cases, why there should be a lot of infected cases. So the government started to report some of the infected cases and the proportion was not right. Sometimes the proportion of death mortality was 25% compared to the other countries that you expect to be two to three percent or up to 5%, which shows that they tried intentionally to underreport number of infected cases. And finally, they try to 
you know, accept. So the Supreme Leader came back a week later and he tried to, you know, acknowledge that we may face some challenge and he wanted to thank the Ministry of Health. But surprisingly, the, the person who was sitting next to him was not the Minister of Health because a day before that, they, the, the, the Deputy Minister of Health, that he undermined the significance of coronavirus and there were some debates by experts that they said, we have to put this city in quarantine. He said, uh, uh, putting uh, cities in quarantine is outdated back in World War II. And we don't believe it. And the next day he got coronavirus. And the, another part of the Ministry of Health, they asked to put you know, a city of Qom in quarantine. But unfortunately, the Office of Intelligence Service of Revolutionary Guard disagreed and he said that Qom is very sensitive and very important and we shouldn't put Qom in quarantine. So that was a kind of confusion and some of the uh, experts inside Iran and uh, part of the Ministry of Health that the day before they tried to convince that we have to put some you know, measurements. The next day they said, no, it's not important. <clears throat> and they started to argue that you know, 70% of population, they may get infected. We can't do anything. And the president said, within three days, we will go back to normal life. But the next day, the Minister of Health said, no, we have to cancel the school. And we have to start, you know, doing something you know, concrete. So that was the, the time that the government started to do some measurements and to try to control the disease. But at the same time, there was a discrepancy. For example, there was a national committee against coronavirus that was leading by the president, but the president didn't participate in those meetings. So the, the minister of health didn't have voice. And sometimes he made some recommendation that other ministers, they disagree. And finally, the supreme leader asked the military to get involved, but the way they got involved was not in collaboration or cooperation with the government, the executive branch. So it was confusing. They said 300,000 Basijis who are part of the militia will come and knock the doors. And there was a lot of you know, debate by the experts that this may increase the infection. So that shows that unfortunately there was not a you know, centralized approach to control the disease. And the government, they tried to make up the numbers. And if you look at the data, uh, uh, during uh, March, so the number of uh, new cases were increasing consistently. Why the, the trend of coronavirus, as you know, is increasing exponentially. So that shows there's something wrong. And there was a lot of reports from hospitals that if there are some cases that the doctors, they believe they have coronavirus and which is confirmed by a, a CT scan, you are not tested for coronavirus because if they test get positive, they should be reported by the Minister of Health. And that was clear that there are a lot of intention to under-report the numbers. And sometimes they say the number of uh, death cases are three times greater than what the government is reporting. And the number of infected cases are more than you know, five times greater. So the, the, the bigger question is that, you know, why there was a, a lot of you know, uh, controversy between experts and policymakers 
And while Iran had a very good, well established healthcare system, why they couldn't manage the outbreak? And the bigger question is uh, uh, whether Iran was able to manage this outbreak or not. So few months before this outbreak, we had influenza. You know, before that, we had you know uh, a lot of other you know hemorrhagic fever. We had a lot of other outbreaks, but Iran was able to manage them. So the the question was not that we had a limited capacity of healthcare system. The question was that when you politicize non-political issues like health, and this is the outcome. Because during that time that Iran reported very few cases, there were a lot of cases in other countries. Just during one week, uh, when the first case of coronavirus was reported in Iran, there were more than 20 countries that they reported that they have found a lot of new entry cases that they came from Iran. And 12 of them, their first cases was detected, had a history of came from Iran. That's completely show that how come if we have few cases in Iran, they are you know, uh, disseminated everywhere. So the key point was that if the, the first cases were detected in other cities, not home, maybe the story was completely different. If the duration of the outbreak was not during uh, the election or uh, anniversary of revolution, the story may be completely different. But, uh, and if they was not started from China, Maybe their story was completely different. That shows that sometimes the, the policymakers may have huge impact on the outcome of the outbreak, which can make the situation disaster. And you know, there was a lot of debates among even some of the religious leaders. Some of them, they said, we have to put home in quarantine. Others, they said no, because for example, based on even Islam, saving life is the first priority. And if you say one life, it's equals to save everybody's life. And there's some term that they said, la zarar wa la zarar, which means if there's some things that make your life in danger, you can stop. Even it's praying, even it's going to Mecca. And that was clear. But unfortunately, those uh, politicians, they didn't even want to consider those religious leaders' recommendation, and that was the, the problem. So there are a lot of debates even today, you know, that today we have more than 85,000, you know, infected cases and more than 5,000 death cases, but there are a lot of studies that they show the number of death cases are more than 12,000, and even in some studies more than 15,000, and the number of infected cases of more than 500,000. And the question is that, if you look, if follow the media during the past few days, the president said, we have to go back to normal life and open you know, the business. How they can admit that they are controlling the outbreak, why they were able only to detect 20% of infected cases, which means that 80% of the cases even they don't know that they have infection. 
and they are transmitting you know, infection to their relatives, their families, and the friends. And this is the big challenge today that the government, unfortunately, try to make you know, economic concern as an excuse to make people more at greater exposure to infection. And our concern is that within next three weeks, we will have another outbreak of the coronavirus. So now we, we have another question in our mind that really, if we look at the healthcare system, is there any direct correlation between the healthcare system and the, the impact of the coronavirus? So if we look at other countries, like India, India has more than 1.3 billion population and a significant proportion of the population, even they don't have access to sanitation, but they were able to control disease. Even they have had huge common border with China. So they had very progressive approach. They closed the borders, all the people who came from China, they were on direct supervision for three weeks, and that was the outcome. Compare Iran with border countries like Iraq and Afghanistan. Iran has a very good healthcare system compared to border countries. Iraq had 17 years of experience of war and conflict. Afghanistan, 19 years war. And they have very weak healthcare system, but they, were, they didn't uh, get affected to the level that Iran was affected. Or look at in Central Asia and other Farsi-speaking countries like Tajikistan. They don't have even a single case. And if we look at other countries, you know, we will learn that it's more about the attitude of policymakers. So the other question is that, okay, initially, so that was an excuse of government. There was an anniversary of the revolution and it was a parliamentary election. But how about after that? If they admitted after that, were they able to control it? Yes, look at South Korea. South Korea, initially, they did the same decision that Iran did. Because during that time, they were expecting that the presidents of China visit South Korea in two months. So they didn't want to look bad. Japan and South Korea decided initially not to close their borders. For later on, Japan closed. But South Korea still, they tried to be consistent not to close the borders, while there were a lot of you know, recommendations by a medical association. But finally, they realized that half of the new cases belong to some religious centers, similar to Kong. And then the head of the state came and they uh, apologized. So they talked to private you know, lab companies and they said, we have to do testing. They started to do very proactive screening of those who are infected and the family members and anybody they have been exposed over the past two weeks. And today they were able to manage. So another question is, is there any correlation between the level of developed, uh, development of the country and coronavirus? So look at uh, Europe, Italy, Spain, France, they started very late and they were affected significantly. Look at UK, why the prime minister initially said, oh, 80% of people may get infected. We can't do anything. And later on, he got infected. That shows regardless what is the you know, uh, status of the country, 
If you don't make a right decision, you may get affected. Look at the United States, you know. We had six weeks delay, unfortunately. That delay was able that we had a lot of infected cases enter to the country. And also Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the initial guideline limited healthcare providers for testing. And they were able only to test people who had history of traveling to China for two, two weeks, during the past two weeks, or they had a history of exposure to another person who had a history of traveling. And they didn't have enough tests available and particularly even in New York State, the governor, Como, and the mayor, they consider some uh, concern that they didn't you know, uh, close the uh, business or schools for several weeks. And that was the result that we see a lot of people got infected and surprisingly the first few cases, they had no history of going to uh, China and this is the reality. Unfortunately, today we have a lot of infected cases, a lot of mortality. So that shows that regardless of which country we are looking, so the attitude of policymakers is very important when it comes to health concerns. If they politicize non-political concerns, they will face the same outcome. And just to uh, share, share with you, as you know, it's very interesting that how militia, Revolutionary Guard, wants to take over of any decisions. And now here they want to show off that they had a discovery of a device that they can detect the virus from 100 meters within, within five seconds. So it's very you know, surprising how come that they can have this level of advanced technology that they can do that. And to conclude is that what, what are those main lessons we learned? So one of the challenge was that there was a mistrust between the society and the government. And why initially the government had a lack of transparency, but later on that they started to admit that they are facing 50% of population, they didn't follow those you know, uh, uh, issues and the concern because when you misinform the society, particularly at the early stages, even the doctors, they didn't know that they are seeing some of those cases who are infected by coronavirus was the result that we have the highest number of uh, infected and deaths cases among doctors, doctors, nurses, and healthcare workers per capita globally, and they were not protected. And unfortunately, there is not equality to have access Initially, we had a lot of senior administration that they got tested and they got positive. And the question was that, why they didn't have any symptoms? Were they qualified to be tested? Why there were a lot of patients that they had symptoms? They were hospitalized and the doctors asked to get tested, but unfortunately they had a delay. So the first death case among healthcare workers was a nurse, she was 24 years old and she died due to coronavirus, but the result of her test came one week after. And what we learned is a really unsustainability of decision-making in Iran. One day they made some decision, another day they changed. Some day they said we put you know, seven major cities in quarantine. The next day they changed the border. So all confusion and you know, a controversy and a, a discrepancy among stakeholders and policymakers over the time, some of the doctors who were independent, who belong to a national medical council, 
that is a non-for-profit organization. They try to be more transparent. They call to the Ministry of Health to be more transparent, and they ask to have more transparency. But unfortunately, still today, there is no concrete policy and transparency. And unfortunately, policymakers they pay less attention to the recommendation of the experts and you know the priority that they recommend. And as I mentioned, they try to prioritize politics more than the, the, the life and concern of the society. And during the past couple of days, we were informed that there's unfortunately a lot of corruption, that a lot of you know, companies, some of the members are member, uh, part of the Ministry of Health. And unfortunately, that shows beside all of those previous you know, issues, corruption is additional you know, contributing factor that they are not able to, to control. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to both of you. Thank you for a wonderful talk. We have a few questions. Um, before I get to them, I just want to remind listeners that if they would like to ask a question, please do use the Q&A feature at the bottom of your screen. We can see a few raised hands, but it's easier for us if you submit the question through the Q&A feature. Um, so a question for you, would you attribute the dimensions of this disaster to an underdeveloped health system or poor governance? So I, as I, you know, mentioned when I start, you know, to, to show the health system, compared to the same country, Iran has good health system and healthcare worker, you know, if you look at the numbers of healthcare worker who have been qualified to work in United States or to go to continue their education in other countries and the procedure they do in Iran is, is, is wonderful and unique among other countries in Middle East region. But the mismanagement, poor management, corruption affected the issue. You know, the problem is that we have good human resources and infrastructure well developed and the outcome was good. But when we have mismanagement, the outcome of new disease or new problem, you see there is big challenge for, for everyone. Thank you. Do you think Iran is going to be the first country in the world to reach herd immunity? So it's, it's very hard to, to, to talk about that because as you know, there are a lot of studies recently, they showed that 40% of people who get infected, they are asymptomatic that we didn't know about. It. And also 81% uh, of people who are infected that they have symptoms, they have mild symptoms. And from the other point of, other side, if we look at, there are a lot of tests that the sensitivity is 30%, that 70% of those who are infected, they don't know about that. So during these variables, it's very hard to predict that Iran is the first country with that, to that level of immunity. But definitely in long run, Iran has more mortality compared to other countries. And there's a reason for that. Because compared with Iran, other countries, they have had a centralized approach, which means even they started late, like Turkey, like Russia, that they are facing a huge problem. But within two or three weeks, when you start to have a centralized approach, you will see the outcome, which means why the number of new cases increase you know, exponentially, 
after you have a good, you know, quantile, uh, you have a plateau. And after plateau, you will be you will have decreasing numbers. So because this is a very centralized approach, that represents the entire country, okay? And that they can start to do some measurements, what like Germany has started to do and other countries. But in Iran, given they didn't have a centralized approach, some provinces may go up, while they are going down, other provinces, they go up. And that is a kind of misleading that you may face some plateau, but this plateau is not representing the entire country. And there are some provinces that they have less access to services, they may face more, but they are not necessarily get tested, so we don't know about that. And that's my prediction that over the next several months, we will have a lot of more people who are infected and dying. Thank you. Can you speak a bit to the impact of international sanctions on Iran's ability to manage COVID-19? To what extent was the crisis a result of mismanagement by the Iranian government versus the impact of the sanctions? So there is two types of data we can evaluate it. The data we, we have and, you know, it's available by government side. There is no data to show we have shortage of equipment or shortage of, you know, access to health. If we say politicians wanted to highlight it in different way, so if you look at the health services, there is no cure this time to, 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 to control mortality rate and decrease, you know, uh, the, the, the rate of, uh, you know, deaths among people who have been infected. There is no cure. So the main point is prevention and, and good, good intervention, which is not depend on advanced equipment. This is number one. And number two, for those one to 3% of people who need advanced care based on many data, it shows Iran has capacity, enough capacity to admit those people and provide services for them. So overall, if we wanted to talk overall in health system, we can say maybe there is challenge inside of Iran to have access to the high level and advanced equipment after sanction. But for this case, COVID-19, I think it's not depend on sanction. It's depend on mismanagement. And as Kamiar mentioned, you know, decentral policies decentral policies. Today, Ministry of Health wanted to do this, but the other guys or other, you know, organization wanted to do exactly 100% different than them. So if you go and watch media, every day you can see in the same government, different people talk against each other and people have been confused who is right and who is wrong. And to add to, you know, as Arash mentioned, Definitely, the mismanagement is the main contributing factor to this uh, outbreak that we have in Iran. But at the same time, sanctions, they have some impact. Why we understand that you know, Trump tried to use some measurements to make services available, but still they are not accessible to some uh, level. For example, for some kind of medication that we know they are effective, or the high quality test that the sensitivity is 95%. So those companies, they have some kind of hesitation to, to provide those supplies. But generally speaking, 
I think the main contributing factor is the mismanagement, which was intentionally, unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, implemented. Thank you. This is a comment from one of our viewers. Thank you for the great talk. It seems to me that per capita health expenditure of $1,200 that you mentioned for Iran may not be correct. This would mean that the health sector constitutes more than a quarter of the country's GDP. The data that I have shows that total government and out-of-pocket expenditure per household are roughly $500 and $200, corresponding to a total per capita health expenditure of roughly $200 to $300. Yes, you know, that, that data I shared is based on the index we have, you know, it is available based on the government, report, but uh, totally I agree, you know, the, you know, the, the budget for health and the disaster point is the budget for research. The budget for research, why the budget of research is low, 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 and is not enough for any, you know, basic type of research because they don't like to find the issue, you know, if they support researcher, why they why country why expert do research to find the issue and solve it as soon as possible? But when we have that mentality in Iran, they don't like to see issue. They don't put money in research, and then when they they follow ideology, not health as a priority, the total budget for health is low. Yes, I agree with that. Thank you. Uh, another question. Thank you for the great talk and thank you for all your great service to Iran. If you were, inshallah, in charge of health policy in Iran, what policies would you pursue? So that's a great question. I think the first policy is to be transparent. You know, transparency is very important because if you have transparency, you know what is the significance of the problem. And based on the reality, you can have a better understanding. Second, to involve experts, regardless of what is their political beliefs. Because the more diversity we have among experts, we can have more you know, uh, innovative ideas to uh, develop uh, those ideas based on the need of our uh, targets. And also, Iran has a great healthcare system before revolution we started. We have a lot of great doctors, nurses. So we have a great infrastructure. The point is that not to politicize the policy and try to be independent from other parts of the government. So, and also to develop our collaboration with other countries, not only border countries, but also developed countries. And try, as Arash mentioned, to invest more in research applied research. So by this way through the research, we have a better understanding and have a better policy. In addition to coming, I wanted to add some point, you know, lesson learned from each other, open the door and give opportunity to experts to talk and share their experience and learn from other countries, number one. And number two, as I mentioned, one of the challenge we have in Iran, even we have good access from you know, the, the villages to capital, to health facility, and numbers of healthcare providers are there to provide service. But when we have university, in the same time as a commissioner of health in previous, 
means Ministry of Health can control those independent doctors should be free, do research, and report their research. Today we have this challenge and it should be changed to have independent university and commissioner of health to go to provide service and have evaluation from university to evaluate services. Thank you. Here in the US, there is widespread outrage at the lack of personal protective equipment intended to protect first and foremost healthcare workers, but also the general public. Is that an issue in Iran? If yes, why? Definitely yes. You know, it's, it's the issue everywhere. You know, the, the, the protection of people, especially healthcare providers, is a huge challenge. And unfortunately, as I mentioned, there are a lot of, you know, doctors, nurses who got, you know, affected. And they, you know, a lot of them, they got hospitalized. Just give you an example. More than 150 healthcare providers in just one city called Kermanshah, with one million population, they got infected and hospitalized. And in another city, it's behind 250. So there's no single hospital that we have been in touch that they didn't have one nurse or doctor got infected or died. And I want, do I have time to add, you know? Yes, please do. So, you know, the shortage of equipment is, you know, big challenge in most of the countries in the world because that is new disease. Nobody had idea about that. But the argument is there, you know, if Iranian government used idea and time to be on time for prevention, train doctor and write protocol and distributed among healthcare workers, even they had shortage of masks and you know, equipment, at least they have been familiar with the issue. The problem was one month, nobody had idea about this news, new disease in Iran. And the, the, it was not any clear protocol for protection even there is shortage, when you know there is shortage of equipment, you have to have plan to solve that issue, not to ignore it. So why in the same time we had shortage of masks, they transported one million masks to China and they did show off to say, okay, we support China because when we had challenge, Chinese helped us. So when you know the situation of country, at least they should provide education, they should distribute protocol, at least to have people to be ready to, to be ready to, to, to protect themselves. Thank you. Uh, this viewer says, thank you so much for this fascinating glimpse into Iran with COVID-19. What is a brief history of Iran's approach to other genetic outbreaks by way of comparison, for example, the 1918 Spanish flu? Um, we did have Dr. Afkami speaking last week, comparing the coronavirus outbreak to how Iran handled various cholera outbreaks, among others. Um, but if there's anything you would like to add. So definitely, as I mentioned, if you look at, you know, just compare, because it's hard to compare two different systems, because before revolution, we had different systems. Even if we look at the system after the revolution, so we had a lot of outbreaks. We had, you know, hemorrhagic fever, we had other, you know, influenza outbreaks, but they were able to manage it. And that's the point that why they were able to manage other similar outbreaks, why they were not able to 
manage this outbreak. And that clearly shows when the government try to politicize an outbreak and the militia get involved, the military get involved. So that make experts not functioning in the way that they have to do. And when the you know, doctors, experts, healthcare policy experts, they are not in charge of leading the disease, this is what we see. You know? For example, look at the US now, Anthony Fauci is the leader's expert and a lot of people respect him. So we will have more confidence that he can manage because he went to a lot of you know, outbreaks before. In Iran, we have a lot of experts, but the problem is that the policymakers, the government, they don't listen to those experts. Why they used to listen to them? And that's the unfortunately new phenomenon is happening in Iran. And in the same time, if you look at the brain drain, so why those experts, you know, they love to stay there, but they left. How many Iranian doctors left during last 40 years? They love to work in their country, but because of politicizing by government and control them not to be free, not to follow their advice, they, there is two ways. If they have that opportunity, they can go and control disease, such as Kamiya mentioned, influenza or hemorrhagic fever. If they politicize the issue, they, they, they cannot do, they, they, they leave. Thank you. Um, one listener asks a question that I'm sure is on everyone's mind. Is there any estimate as to how long this pandemic will last globally? So that's a very hard question to answer. I think it's a $1 million question. But the point is that we know that, you know, if these countries in a, like Europe, US, they try to control within two, three months, they can manage it. But we have Africa that they haven't been significantly affected due to the weather. They were during the summer and now they are going to you know, fall season. Definitely in two, three months, we have huge outbreak in Africa. And unfortunately in Africa, they don't have a good healthcare system. A lot of people may die or get infected, which means six months later, we will have the second outbreak will come back from Africa to US to Europe, which shows that it may take longer than we expected until we get immunization or uh, we may get some mutation of the virus. Thank you. We have a few minutes left if there are uh, a few more questions viewers want to submit. Um, I'm wondering if you could say a few words about how, um, how the situation involves Iran's neighbors and whether there needs to be a regional approach. For example, recently we've seen issues in the news between the Iran-Iraq border and how they navigate that. You know, this is, you know, clear, you know, one country cannot, you know, uh, manage this disease. It should be a regional and global. But the problem, for example, in that region is there is, you know, uh, uh, prevalences in Afghanistan, it, even the Afghan government doesn't have any control to, to provide basic health service. Not only, you know, they, they cannot do uh, vaccination, they cannot provide basic, you know, health, how they wanted to go for test and diagnosis of COVID-19. 
and the other side of Iran because of you know cities of Karbala and Najaf and we are going to the fasting mountain of Ramazan so this is a huge question if people wanted to pass border and go there and come back you know that will be big issue for both country Iran and Iraq so it's not clear how they wanted to manage these two borders because with Turkey and northern part it's very you know strong and strict you know uh, plan from those country to control border but for these two definitely it will be challenge and the news is not good because we hear the president and some key decision makers said you know we need to think about you know ramazan mounts how people wanted to get together they don't have any plan to control people to stay in quarantine or or accept you know long distance you know uh, physical distance so that will be a big challenge i think in the future for three countries of iran afghanistan and iraq thank you um and <clears throat> asked could you kindly tell us a bit about your work in iran as a nation we are grateful for your sacrifice do you mean in the past or current program that we are doing both Sure. So as you know, you know, we started working on HIV AIDS, you know, 20 years ago during that time that unfortunately a lot of people who got infected, uh, their right was, you know, denied. And in one of our first studies that we did in one of the cities in the western part of Iran, 60% of those who got infected, they committed suicide. And they committed suicide during the first year after their still conversion. It shows how they were socially isolated and there were a lot of misbelief and uh, prejudgment against them. So we were able to work with uh, you know, other uh, experts to establish the first initiative called Triangular Clinic, as you mentioned in your introduction, to provide services for drug users, people living with HIV AIDS and sexually transmitted infected cases, which was documented by World Health Organization as a best practice. And later on, we had the pleasure to join a team and write a grant for global fund, which received $16 million to make those initiatives sustainable. So then we were able to extend those initiatives. We had programs for border countries like Afghanistan, Tajikistan, and other Muslim countries from the Middle East, Central Asia, Southeast Asia, and visited our initiative, and we were able to continue our work. And now in the US, we are continuing our work at, through our institute, uh, we are collaborating with 12 countries, Tajikistan, uh, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, Iraq, Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, among others. And we are you know, uh, trying to promote right to health and protect right to education for disadvantaged population and internally displaced people. Thank you so much. If there are um, individuals who are in the United States who are concerned about what is going on in Iran, is there anything that they can do to help? Anything that you recommend? Sure. I'm glad you raised that because I wanted to share that at the end of our uh, conversation. So there are a lot of, you know, uh, non-for-profit organization in the United States that they created a coalition called Humanitarian Relief Coalition. So we started five organizations and then we uh, now there are more than 
50 organizations, more than 20 in the US, 18 in Canada, in UK and others, they join us and, we, and uh, the core organization, they have OFAC license, which means they have per permission from the Treasury Department to provide medical supplies and they have local representatives to make sure and guarantee those services will be provided and delivered to doctors, nurses, patients at hospitals without any involvement of the government. And I want here to thank a lot of generous people, particularly Mr. Hamid Mogaddam and Kristan Mogaddam, that they were very generous, that they had a huge support of our initiative. And we invite all the people who care about Iran to support this coalition. I am happy to share the website with you. It's easy to find, it's yarikon.com, Y-A-R-I-K-O-N.com. And uh, we are delighted, you know, to if you have any question to work with you. And I want to thank all of them that they took time during the weekend, weekdays, 24 seven, to, to help this initiative going forward. I wanted to thank Dr. Milani, you and the center for invitation and having us to share our experience. On that positive note, thank you both so much. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. We know you must be very busy. We very much appreciate your insight and knowledge in all of this. We hope you stay safe as well as all of our viewers. And uh, we look forward to hopefully seeing you in person soon. Thank you. Thank you very thank much. Thank you so much.